Hello, y'all. This is the show all about the South. And on this third Thursday, the Thursday broadcast edition of Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent, we're here for the first of three hours. I've got threes on my mind for some reason. And uh, this is the fourth day of the work week. So I, I better have four on my mind. we got one more day left here in this work week. And then it's on to a weekend full of fun, we hope, for all y'all. My name is General John Rawl. I am the general of all things Southern. And troops, stay tuned because for the next three hours, we're going to fill your cavalry up. We're going to fill the caissons with plenty of great information because we've got a look at headlines from across the southeast. We'll give you the latest on Tropical Storm Fred, what's going on with there. Mississippi is marking its all-time high for COVID-19 cases. Sad news out of Mississippi, and this is a recurring theme across the south here with the Delta variant causing so much problem. America's white population falls to its smallest share. What's going on with a census count? I'll let you know. Also, we'll give you the update from Austin, Texas on the whole effort to change some of the voting laws and the Democrats have walked out. We'll give you an update from the capital of the Lone Star State. Also in our headlines of y'all, today, we all quit. That's what some Family Dollar employees have done. They walked off the job. I'll let you know why as we have our look at business news today. Plus, I know that they've got this infrastructure thing behind them. It looks like the U.S. Senate, so they're on to bigger and better business and more important business for the country. And the United States Senate has officially recognized the month we're in, August, as National Catfish Month. And I know a lot of people in portions of Alabama, Mississippi, perhaps even in Arkansas, maybe even Tennessee, where they grow commercial catfish, are celebrating National Catfish Month. Go out and get you some uh, bottom feeders, if you will, and, and celebrate this historic achievement. That's coming up, plus Dunkin' Donuts Pumpkin Menu is coming back very, very soon. I'm going to have all of this as we walk through the headlines of the Southeast today, plus sports news We've got a sports blast headed your way in the next segment. A retirement from Major League Baseball, Chris Davis of the Baltimore Orioles, has retired, citing a need for hip in, uh, hip injury, the reason for this retirement. We'll discuss the career of Chris Davis. Plus, we've had a player in the NFL, a guy who played his college ball for the Florida Gators, Quentin Dunbar, has been sent packing out of the Detroit Lions training camp what led the lions who you may not know the lions are actually a member of the national football league yeah quentin dunbar cut by the lions he must be really bad if detroit is cutting him all that plus speaking of nfl there's a battle according to urban meyer a battle going on right now between trevor lawrence and mississippi native gardner Minshew. all that for the quarterback position for the jags so we'll find out how, how truthful this article at ESPN.com is and what if, if this is a tactic that right now Urban Meyer's using to startle some people and 
just assume that Trevor Lawrence has the full reign of Jacksonville's offense going forward. That's part of the sports coverage today on the Y'all Show. And today, as we continue on with our trip around the South, we're going to take you to our only Big Ten member that is technically in the southeast of the United States in what we call y'all country. Now, why this team is in the Big Ten, I'll never know because they had a really good spot as a founding member of the Atlantic Coast Conference. Oh, but somebody 10 years ago decided that wasn't quite good enough for the University of Maryland. And so the Terrapins now reside in the Big Ten. And today, we're going to take you to College Park and let you know all about Mike Loxley's program. The former Alabama Crimson Tide assistant coach has been on the sidelines now for several years coaching the Terps. And we're going to hear. We've got audio from Coach Loxley that we'll let you hear as he's already in camp with his football team. Today, in hour number one, we'll discuss Maryland's 2021 schedule. We'll let you know more of the history of this football program. It's a football program that has won national championships in the last hundred years, at least. And they've had moments of greatness. They've had some incredible football players come out of there. They've had one guy who played football that you never heard of as a college football player that has been one of the leaders of college football's uh, business side. Perhaps one of the leaders of our fashion side for 20 years now. Kevin Plank, the guy who started Under Armour, a Maryland alum, Maryland football alum. I don't think he played much, but yes, we'll have all of that talk about the Terps here in hour number one. When we get to hour three today, as we discuss the Maryland Terrapins, our latest stop on our tour across the southeast, getting you ready for Labor Day weekend and the start of college football. Hour three, it's going to be more about the university, the history of the University of Maryland at College Park. We'll discuss some of the famous alumni of Maryland and the traditions of Fear the Turtle. All that as we salute the Maryland Terps on our Friday Y'all Show. We'll go back to the Southeastern Conference. Our Friday show will feature the Mississippi Land Sharks out of Oxford and University, Mississippi. That's where we'll be stopping off to wrap up this week on Friday. But today, it's all about them turtles and Today, it's Maryland Terrapin football and traditions and more coming up on the Y'all Show. Also, this first hour, we have hashtag Hullabaloo. Always fun to go on social media and share what we can share that's cleaned up and family-friendly. And we'll do that toward the end of this hour. Hour two today, we've got a quick look at some of the entertainment goings on from Hollywood to New York or wherever things are going on. Included in the entertainment headlines today is some good music. And it's good music because what we're going to talk about is Aretha Franklin, the Memphis native. We lost her back in 2018, but there's about to be, if not already out in some places, this new movie called Respect that's all about Aretha Franklin. And Jennifer Hudson has that lead role. When we get to our entertainment report today on the Y'all Show, we're going to let you hear Jennifer Hudson singing her best cover of Aretha Franklin music. And we'll discuss more about the movie Respect. Plus, speaking of movies, the Knoxville kid, Quentin Tarantino, in the news as this Tennessee native in the news because he once vowed to never give money to his mama. And according to some reports, he has held true 
on that statement. So why would he want to not give money to his own mama? We'll explain that in our entertainment reports. Plus, we'll let you know what's streaming in August. That is a big, big thing for many of you. And we'll let you know what the hot things are streaming right now in our entertainment report hour two. Plus, hour two, we've got the latest out of Music City, U.S. of A. Toby Keith and Alabama are going to headline an event called Country Kickoff to Labor Day Weekend. And we're going to have some Toby Keith music to play for you to get you in the mood for TK and Alabama getting together with other country music artists. Plus, Dolly Parton is about to release her first novel and also getting ready to have a companion album for that first novel. That's going to be released early in 2022. I'll let you know about that. Plus, Dollywood alumnus. Yeah, she used to work for Dolly. Carly Pierce. In addition to work, working once for Dolly, did you realize this unbelievably beautiful Kentuckian once cleaned Airbnbs? I like her even more, Carly Pierce. Also, Miranda Lambert in the news as she is learning more and welcoming LGBTQ relationships and friendships. Her brother is is gay and is married to another fella. And now Miranda Lambert is talking about this, and I'll explain what the Texas native is doing. Plus, Tim McGraw sells a truck to move past the heartbreak in 7,500 OBO. I think that's a song, but we'll tell you about that. Tim McGraw, the Louisiana native, all that coming up in our country music report in hour number two. Plus, we've got Melissa Rhodes and her southern accent on business. See, we get so much stuff. I mean, we pack a punch of southern deliciousness each time we get together here on the Y'all Show. All that plus an hour three more on the Maryland Terrapins. And we'll take a look at some of the festivals forthcoming this weekend across the southeast. If you want to get in touch with the Y'all Show, it's easy to do. Our telephone number that you can text or call on your own schedule. It's 803-816-1170. 803-816-1170. That's a text line, and that is also a number you can just pick up the phone and talk to us. We, we want to hear from you. If you've got something you want to share, maybe a little tip, maybe even criticism, we gladly Take it all right here, y'all, on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Let's get into the headlines. We've got a lot of stuff to get to this hour, so we best get on the move. All right, first off, an update on tropical depression now. Fred, it was a tropical storm. Now it's back down to a depression. Florida Emergency Management now preparing for this storm, expected to start playing some havoc in the Sunshine State starting as early as Saturday. Now, this storm formed south of Puerto Rico late on Tuesday evening, and we now know that it is decreasing in its wind strength at this point, but don't sleep on this thing. Keep an eye, and that's exactly what the Florida Division of Emergency Management is doing as they're having daily calls with county EM offices across the state of Florida. On Wednesday, earlier, or on Wednesday evening, I think it was, the division hosted calls with county emergency offices across the state of Florida. The state hosts these calls to ensure they can respond quickly and efficiently and keeping an eye on what's going on. 
as they said, they're monitoring the development of the tropical depression now, and they have this hashtag, be ready for everybody to kind of keep up with things on social media. So good news there. Now, about 13,000 residents in Puerto Rico left without power as Fred came through today slash also on Wednesday and really rocked some of the islands with rain and some wind. And tropical storm warnings were discontinued there and in the Virgin Islands as a storm moved on to the northwest. Tropical storm conditions are possible still in the Bahamas and in Cuba. Right now, the Hurricane Center said that Fred is around 100 miles west of Camagüey, Cuba. And again, the experts, the models, the latest we're seeing, this thing's going to continue to mostly have a Gulf Coast direction. It's not expected to go up the Atlantic seaboard of Florida. It's more passing toward Fort Myers, aiming kind of more toward the panhandle. But Sunday, Monday, that's when you're most likely to see some of the hardest wind and rain damage coming from the storm. Currently, maximum sustained winds near 35 mile per hour with higher gust possible. I don't think this is going to be the world's biggest storm, but who am I? And we've seen storms literally, I think it was Hurricane Michael three years ago, form in 24 hours and absolutely pack a horrible punch around Panama City, nearly wiped out some of the communities of that area. And if, I mean, just just bad, bad news. It's essentially shut down the Air Force Base at Panama City from what happened a couple of years ago. So we'll keep an eye on, again, this now currently called a tropical depression that is out in the Caribbean at the current time. More headlines. Mississippi is marking, unfortunately, an all-time high with its number of COVID-19 hospitalizations. The state says that the highest number of hospitalizations since the beginning of the pandemic, 1,490 people are hospitalized. Of that nearly 1,500 people hospitalized, 1,300 of the 1,500 are unvaccinated. Unvaccinated. Let me do some math. Just, I know you're wondering. Where's my cat? There it is. See, I'm not smart enough to do this in my head. The number was technically 1,490 that were hospitalized. So 1,300 divided by 1,490. Live math right here on the Y'all Show. 87% of the hospitalizations in Mississippi are from people who have not been vaccinated. Yeah, there's that. 13 percentile who did have their vaccinations and are hospitalized and they're having a rough go of it or else they wouldn't be hospitalized right now in mississippi the number in intensive care units 388 264 people are currently on ventilators throughout the state of mississippi the mississippi department of health putting out a statement reporting 4412 more cases not just total more cases in just the one day that it reported 20 deaths. And this is a recurring theme. We told you earlier this week in Arkansas how big it, the outbreak has been there. 
And I saw the map. You probably have seen the maps, too, of the entire south is completely covered up with huge increases of people now battling COVID-19 and these hospitals like in states like Mississippi are really, really struggling. Let's all try to get through this one more time. Maybe this will be the last time we get through this wave of absolute chaos and death and hopefully get back to some kind of normalcy in our lives. But our thoughts to everybody who's fighting this, those who've been lost in this battle, this ongoing hell. And I'm looking forward to one day not talking about this stuff here on the Y'all Show, and I'm bet you you're looking forward to one day nobody talking about it but unfortunately we're in the middle of a crisis at the current time now we go to a story breaking out of west tennessee tyson food employees have had a little bit of a protest if you will in newburn tennessee that is northwest tennessee near dyersburg as some of the employees of tyson foods who are not happy about the company's new vaccine mandate went to the streets of New Bern. Employees stood across the street from the New Bern plant of Tyson Foods holding up signs that said, among other things, no mandate. Earlier this month, Tyson Foods released a memo to employees across the entire country saying all team members would have to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19 by November 1st. And again, many of the employees, this is happening at some places throughout the South where there's now these mandates of the employer telling the employees they got to get vaccinated. We just told you earlier this week the United States military is telling all uniformed personnel within the government that they've got to be vaccinated. But Tyson Foods and the work they do there in northwest Tennessee, they're getting serious about their employees. Tyson Foods has, by the way, 56,000 employees here in this country and that represents less than half of its domestic workforce i'm sorry they've got 56,000 employees that have been vaccinated so far so they've got over a hundred thousand total employees but around half have been vaccinated according to the reports i'm reading out of newburn tennessee now one state representative that represents newburn is rusty grills And he was asked to attend the demonstration, and he did. And he came out and put out a statement, the Republican from Newburn, Tennessee, near Dyersburg. State Representative of Tennessee, Grill, said, I am 100% for vaccines for the health of the community, but I don't think anyone should be forced to take something in their body against their will. His words. And he went on to add that in the last legislative session of Tennessee, he carried a bill that said an employer could not make conditions of employment based on the COVID-19 vaccine. And he says that bill, which has not been voted on or passed or shot down at this point, he said his bill is getting a lot more attention. And maybe that's why he's out in Newburn talking about it and joining those protesting Tyson Foods. We have more to get to in our headlines as we continue on with today's y'all show. When we come back, though, we're going to switch over to the sports world. We've got a departure from the Baltimore Orioles, also a Detroit Lions player who's been playing in the league for several years out of the Florida Gators. He has been cut. That 
plus more sports talk and more. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Back on y'all, talk with an accent on all things Southern with John Rawl. Hope y'all are doing quite well as we're kind of getting toward the end of the week. And I know you're excited about that in case you got big plans for the weekend. Our website, y'all.com, it is the South's homepage. Go there now for all the great stuff posted about the Southeast of the United States. Coming up in just a few minutes, we've got a look at the Maryland Terrapins. The Terps are our latest stop on our voyage across the South, getting you ready for the start of the 2022-2021 college football season. And the Terps are the South's lone Big Ten member. And we'll get you ready for what's going on with Maryland football. You know, crab cakes and football, that's what Maryland does and we're going to let you hear from the head coach of Maryland, Mike Loxley. He'll be on in just a few minutes. All that and more here, but right now, speaking of the world of sports, let me give you a quick update of what's going on in the sports world, and we're going to keep it in Maryland for our big sports story of the day because, from a Major League Baseball standpoint, slugger Chris Davis has announced his retirement today, and he has been a member of the Baltimore Orioles and announced his retirement that ends a career when he became one of baseball's most prodigious home run hitters. And then he started having a lot of injury problems during the last few years. And the 35-year-old Davis, who was going to miss this entire season after having surgery in May to repair the labrum in his left hip, He had not played since Baltimore's spring training opener back in February. And Chris Davis, who had one more season left on a seven-year, $161 million contract, hanging, hanging up his cleats. Chris Davis led the majors with 53 home runs back in 2013, and then he went to 47 home runs in 2015. And after so many years, he's put out a statement, and the Orioles have put out a statement as well, saying the Orioles support Chris Davis as he retires from baseball today. We thank Chris for his 11 years of service to the club, to Orioles fans, and to the Baltimore community. Again, Chris Davis, who back in 2014 was suspended for 25 games late in that season for testing positive for Adderall, which is a banned amphetamine And then came back from that to have such great years of playing baseball and hanging up his cleats today after a very distinguished career. And way to go, Chris Davis, the Texas native, born in Longview, started his career with the home state Texas Rangers, played for them from 2008 to 2011, and then moving over to Baltimore where he's had 10 years on the roster with the orange and black birds. 
Davis attended Longview High School playing shortstop and also got into pitching. He was originally chosen by the Yankees in the third to last pick of the MLB draft for 2004. He did not sign and instead went to Navarro Junior College. And there he was used as a third baseman and a first baseman. Then he was once again drafted by the Angels, which he did not sign. And then he went back to Juco. And that year, in his last year at Juco, he hit 17 home runs, one of which hit a retail building 100 feet away from beyond the 380 sign on the outfield fence. Yeah, that'll get your attention. And that's when the Rangers drafted him just after that in the fifth round of the 2006 MLB draft. So he did not go to a senior college. His only college play was at Navarro Junior College in Texas. That is got main campus in Corsicana. That's where that's located. And then with a minor league career that lasted really not very long before he moved on to play for the big league Rangers, debuting June 26th of 2008. And this Longview, Texas native, which is East Texas, great, great area, Longview. And after all these years of being a baseball player, he hangs up his cleats, amassing 295 home runs and batting in 780 for this guy who was a 2013 All-Star, the Silver Slugger Award, Two-time Major League Baseball home run leader 2013-25, Chris Davis. Way to go. Great job. At 35 years old, you got so much to look forward to. And, yeah, he might even go into something completely different, which, by the way, I need to pull this article up from the world of the NBA. Did y'all hear about this? North Carolina A&T, which has been a very good – MEAC member for a long time have been competing and winning the black college bowl game they have there in Atlanta. I think it's called the Celebration Bowl. And after years of playing basketball, North Carolina A&T has a new student, J.R. Smith. And he is trying to not only go to North Carolina A&T and get a degree, this longtime basketball player in the NBA hopes to be on North Carolina A&T's golf team. (laughs) He was recently at the Pro-Am at the Wyndham Championship in nearby Greensboro. He told reporters he decided to go back to school after a conversation with Basketball Hall of Famer Ray Allen. And now... J.R. Smith, who plays with a five handicap, according to PGATour.com, he might have a chance to go play on the college level. And how cool is that? Now, coming out of high school, he was a McDonald's All-American, and he originally committed to play for Roy Williams at UNC. The New Orleans Hordants selected him with the 18th pick overall, so he went on to play in the NBA instead of going to college, and While in the NBA, he won two NBA titles with the Cleveland Cavaliers as well as the Lakers. He also won the NBA Sixth Man of the Year Award back in the 2012-2013 season. And now this guy who, of course, was very good on the hard court 
looking to completely switch gears and light it up, not on the hard court, but on the fairways of they are now in the Big South, North Carolina A&T. Way to go. I, I wish him all the well, all the best. J.R. Smith. How cool would that be if he actually could find a way to get a scholarship offer or just be on the team? He, he might just have to walk on to the golf team and end up being a certainly somebody to be on the lookout for. J.R. Smith, by the way, 35 years old, and he grew up in New Jersey. That's where he went to high school. And he's currently listed. What's crazy if you go to his bio, it says career information. It's got his high school, and then it's got his college. And it says North Carolina A&T, which is where he's in school. But it's not for playing basketball. Again, after all those years of playing from 2004 to 2020 in the NBA, that's 16 long years. The 35-year-old J.R. Smith, which oddly enough is the same age as Chris Davis, he just retired, as we told you, from baseball today with the Orioles. Maybe they could team up together. I bet you Chris Davis is a pretty good golfer. Wishing J.R. Smith all the best as he makes his way to the Aggies at North Carolina A&T. It is NFL training camp right now. And according to Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew are still battling to be the Jags' starting QB. I thought this was a settled deal. I thought Trevor Lawrence had been given the keys to the kingdom and the Clemson Mr. Everything was going to come down to Duval and lead the Jags to a Super Bowl just like he led Clemson to a national championship. Evidently, that's not the case. And Urban Meyer is not ready to publicly commit to Lawrence as his starting quarterback. Urban Meyer asked whether there's still an option of a competition between Trevor Lawrence, the number one pick in the 2021 NFL draft, or is Gardner Minshew, who had been the starting quarterback for Jacksonville in recent years, the former Washington State QB and the native of Mississippi, when asked who's going to take that first snap against the Texans on that first real game, September 12th, instead of giving an answer, he gave an answer of, Instead of giving a name, Urban Meyer said yes in terms of whether there's still an open competition. Now, that came moments, that response after the coach said he and his staff would determine today which player would start Saturday's preseason opener that they have at TIAA Bankfield in Jacksonville. They've got the Cleveland Browns coming in for their first preseason game of the 2021 preseason but a little bit of a dueling quarterbacks, if you will, going on with Jacksonville's NFL franchise. And we'll be kind of keeping an eye on seeing if Trevor Lawrence indeed has that key to the Jaguars' fancy 2021 schedule or would the guy who's already been in the league three years? Is it? I saw Gardner Minshew play in person in the 2019 season, so this would be – at least his third year, and I think that was his rookie season in 2019. And he was a hot commodity at the time. I remember going to the game. It was a road game for the Jags. There were a lot of Minshew jerseys in the crowd for a rookie QB for that franchise. In fact, I was impressed at how many Jaguar fans were there at the stadium, and I was a long way from 
Duval for that game. My first NFL game, by the way, in person in 25 years, uh, 23 years maybe. And I had a good time. It was a, it was a good time, good time. And I'm sure all of y'all ready for a good time if you're able to make it to an NFL stadium near you this year. Y'all, we'll be right back. We're going to switch over and talk a little college football next. The Maryland Terrapins are our featured school. And when the Y'all Show continues on, we're going to tell you about the 2021 schedule for the Big Ten school. All that ahead, it's Turtle Talk coming up next. The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College Football Tour stop. Here's Johnny. And today is a little bit different as we're on this voyage across college football's landscape, getting you set for the start of the 2021 season. We're just a couple of days away from that, by the way, if you haven't checked the calendar lately. Today, we are going to feature a Big Ten school, the Maryland Terrapins, which have had a very long history of being in the Atlantic Coast Conference, for whatever crazy reason, divorced the ACC eight, nine years ago, and have been in the Big Ten since. I don't know why. Maybe we can talk about it. Maybe you've got an opinion on that. 803-816-1170. But despite the conference, we're going to talk about this border state of the South and discuss their 2021 schedule because it's all about the Terrapins, a program that has had a rich history on the gridiron. And we're going to walk through the schedule, tell you more about their coach, Mike Loxley. He's getting ready for his third season at College Park. Fear the Turtle. Remember, it's crab cakes and football. That is what Maryland does. And here on the Y'all Show today, we are going to tell you all about the Terrapins of 2021. What a great game to get the new season underway. It's West Virginia coming into Capital One Field at Maryland Stadium. A nice little border bash between the Terps and the Mountaineers. That's a whiteout game, by the way, for Terrapin fans on September 4th, a game that will be televised on ESPN. Then a battle of Washington, D.C., the Howard Bison. They come over to Capital One Field at Maryland Stadium for a game on September 11th. The Terrapins open Big Ten play on the road in Urbana-Champaign, Illinois. I thought it was Champaign-Urbana, frankly. Uh, It is going to be the Terrapins' 
against the Illini. And Brett Belima, I guess that will be his Big Ten opener as the new coach of the Illini on September 17th. The Terrapins will be out of conference against the Kent State Golden Flash on September 25th. Iowa checks in to Maryland Stadium for a game October 1st. That's a Friday night, by the way. Going to be televised on Fox Sports 1 if you want to go ahead and set your VCR. The Terrapins will be at the Horseshoe. They'll be taking on the Buckeyes of Ohio State October 9th. They'll be in Minneapolis to take on the Golden Gophers October 23rd. The upstart Hoosiers of 2020 will find out just how good Indiana is here in 2021. They come to Maryland for a game on October 30th. The rivalry game with Penn State renews as the Nittany Lions come in to Maryland Stadium for a game on November 6th. The Terrapins will be at East Lansing to take on the Spartans on November 13th. Then the Michigan Wolverines check in to Capital One Field at Maryland Stadium on November 20th. And then the Terrapins end the season in a place you just want to end your season. On the road on November 27th, the final regular season game against a fellow Big Ten member. They'll be in Piscataway, New Jersey to take on the Scarlet Knights of the State University of New Jersey, a.k.a. Rutgers. That game, the final game on the 2021 season and schedule. Mike Loxley again bringing his team back. He has a familiar name behind center. Are you familiar with Taola Tagviola? That's Tua's younger brother. He is the starting quarterback for the Maryland Terps. And Tuala carved out his own path by throwing for over 1,000 yards in 2020, threw for seven touchdowns as the Terrapin starter. So there's a neat little connection there. They have a new offensive coordinator this year, Dan Enos, and he's got to help Takvola get this program even further on down the line. A... Very good player back for Maryland this year is wide receiver Dante Demas Jr. Watch for him. On defense, junior safety Nick Cross is part of Maryland's very, very respected defensive backfield, if you will, the the safety position. In the Maryland secondary in the past, they were able to reduce yards per pass attempt from eight-point yards in 2019 to six yards in 2020. That's a very, very good reduction, if you will, for Maryland football of 2020. Mike Loxley, as we said, a guy who was born right there in the College Park area. He's 51 years old. He played his football as a college player at Towson State in Maryland. And now Loxley, who was hired in 2019 to come over and coach Maryland, He's having a little bit of a problem with the coaching thing. <laughs> Despite winning the Frank Broyles Award for his assistant efforts at Tuscaloosa for Nick Saban, he was Alabama's offensive coordinator in 2018. This guy's got an abysmal record from a head coaching perspective. And I don't mean to pick on you there, Coach Loxley, but he had three years, three years as the coach of the New Mexico Lobos. And he coached them from 2009 to 2011. In three years as coach, 
And the third year, he got fired four games into the season because he hadn't won a game. Loxley at New Mexico was 2-26. and 26. He had his first seasons, first two seasons, 1-11 and 11 records, followed up by the year 3, 0-4, oh and, and they, they sent him packing. That's where he went back to the assistantship. And then hired at Maryland in 2019. He actually served as an interim coach in 2015 and went 1-5. and five. Comes back to Maryland as the official football coach in 2019. He went three and nine and followed that up with two and three in 2020. And this year, geez, can he, can he win more than three games a year? I would say his insurance plan must be pretty expensive. He's got a very expensive premium because Maryland football has had very, very bad times. And this was a program, remember, that was kind of rising prior to his arrival. Then they had that off-the-field controversy. They had a player die in off-season conditioning and just was a real awful mess prior to him coming back as he ended up becoming Maryland's 21st full-time coach in 2019 after Maryland, remember, had actually had moments of greatness. They beat the Texas Longhorns in Austin in the last five years, and then they turned around and beat them again when the Longhorns came and played at FedEx Field. This is not the world's worst football program, the Maryland Terrapins. In fact, let me tell you about Maryland as a football program. They've been playing ball in College Park since 1892. They claim a national title and a legitimate national title, 1953. They won that big one. Then they have an unclaimed national title of 1951. Our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short, saw them play back in 53, the year they uh, might have been 54. He saw them lose. They came to a place called Oxford and lost the year after they won a national championship. But in 1953, as a member of the brand-new Atlantic Coast Conference, they had a tremendous year and won the national championship, although they lost their bowl game, the Orange Bowl. They lost 7 to nothing to Oklahoma, but they still somehow won the national championship because I think in those days it was voted on prior to bowl games. And to the Terrapins' credit, look at some of the wins they had in 1953. I know you remember this. Jim Tatum was the coach. They won at Missouri. They beat Washington and Lee. They won at Clemson 20 to nothing. They beat Georgia. And this is, again, an ACC team. The first year of the ACC was 1953. They beat Georgia. Then they come back and they play North Carolina on the road. Win there. They beat Miami back when the Hurricanes were absolutely no good. But they beat them. They went in and beat South Carolina. Beat George Washington. Yeah, the Colonels went down to Maryland. They played Johnny Vault's Ole Miss Rebels in Maryland and beat them back when Ole Miss was really, really good in the 50s and beat them 38 to nothing. And then Ole Miss beat them the next year, I think, in Oxford, and Jerry Short saw that one. But then the kicker, they beat Alabama in 1953 21 to nothing. Now, why would Alabama even be on Maryland's schedule 
1953. That's because, did you realize Paul Bear Bryant was for one season the head coach at Maryland? <laughs> he was prior to going to Kentucky and then to Texas A&M and then back to Mama and the University of Alabama. But that's some good Maryland football history for you here. Maryland has rivalries. One of those rivalries is the first game this year, West Virginia, that first opponent of 2021 schedule. Rivalry with Penn State, rivalry with UVA. They even have a rivalry with their in-state opponent in the Navy midshipmen. And throughout history, there have been wonderful football players that have suited up for the Maryland Terrapins. They have had, and I'm going to tell you one or two in a second, but don't want to leave out some of the great coaches. I told you about Bear Bryant. He did a good job in his one season, but he didn't win a conference championship. Let me tell you who has won in the last 40 years at Maryland championships. Bobby Ross won ACC titles in 83, 84, and 85. He did so good he got hired to go to Georgia Tech and won a national championship at the Georgia Institute of Technology. And then who can forget Ralph Friedgen? Ralph Friedgen, who was on Bobby Ross's staff as an assistant coach at the Citadel back in the 1970s. Friedgen gets ended up being a head coach for the Terrapins, and he leads them to incredible success on the gridiron around the turn of the century. Maryland in 2001 was 10-2, the next year they were 11 and 3. The next year 10 and 3. You had 3 seasons consecutively for Maryland football where they won over 10 games. They went to the Orange Bowl, the Gator Bowl, the Peach Bowl in these years. It can be done at Maryland. Now, I don't know why they are in the ACC. I I, I don't know whose bright idea that was. But yeah, don't want to leave out how successful this program has been through the years and some of the really, really good players. They've actually had 11 All-Americans come out of this program in, in the history. I'm sorry, forgive me, 12 consensus All-Americans that have come out of Maryland as football players. And just I think the most obvious one that a lot of people would point to was a guy who was quarterback and back in the 1980s back during the Bobby Ross era a fellow named Boomer Esiason was a great quarterback for Maryland at that time period and they won those multiple ACC championship games I remember they used to play Clemson it was almost like the the championship game de facto championship game and a lot of times those games would, would actually be played in Baltimore I remember listening as a kid on the radio to hear Maryland win over Clemson. That was a good day for me. Maryland football, again, today's spotlight school on our tour across the southeast. In hour number three, we're going to tell you more about the university itself located in College Park just outside of Washington, D.C., and we'll also tell you about some of the famous alumni of the University of Maryland and the traditions if you go see a game there on the College Park campus, some of the fun and pageantry of Maryland football. Again, Maryland today's stop on our 44-city journey across the southeast. When the Y'all Show comes back, we're going to wrap this hour up with a hashtag hullabaloo where we go on social media 
and find some of the great stuff to pass along for y'all to enjoy. That will be up next after this timeout. Fear the Turtle. the show that's all about the south we have an email inbox it's mail at y'all.com we have a text line that you can share with us what's going on in your part of the south the text line is 803-816-1170 and you can find us also out on social media on facebook we are the y'all show y'all.com it's y-a-l-l.com on the facebook please Follow our Facebook page if you don't mind, and you'll get all the fun articles and information we have about the Southeast that we put up there on a daily basis. We wrap up Hour 1 of our conversation about Dixie with hashtag hullabaloo. This is where we find really informative and fun stuff on social media, and we just like to take it and share it with all y'all, and that's what we'll do right now. And we'll go on social media to Rebecca Hazen. At R underscore Hazen. She is a journalist in Dade County, Georgia, and lives in Chattanooga. And I think she must not be from northwest Georgia originally. She says on her Twitter profile she's an avid traveler photographer, and she also is an avid reader. Some people might even call that a voracious reader. But here today on our hashtag Hullabaloo with Y'all and the Y'all Show, Rebecca Hazen, right there in northwest Georgia, she puts out on social media, I work in a very southern community, being from the northeast, see, I told you, I told you she was what we call a northern American, being from the northeast, sometimes I'm still amused by southern isms. Each time I hear the mayor say wash, that's W-A-R-S-H, as in a car wash, I have to suppress a giggle. Hashtag Southern, hashtag it's a Southern thing. Now, Rebecca, please realize that for a lot of us in the South, we laugh too when we people, hear people put R's in some of those words like wash. I, I, don't, I don't say it. Sometimes I do it more for effect just because it's kind of goofy. But, yeah, even in the South, we've got some places with their local dialects and stuff that you have to kind of have a little laugh yourself. And for a lot of people, maybe outside of the mountainous areas of the Southeast, where I think that putting an R in might be a little bit more of a common thing, yeah, you probably aren't so familiar, and that's kind of a foreign word when you hear people putting R's in some of the words of the South. I still get a kick when people start talking about where our nation's capital is located, and they'll say Washington, D.C. I don't know if old George would like that or not. You know, the guy that was the first president of the country? He might have actually been putting R's in some of his words. Rebecca Hazen, at R underscore Hazen on Twitter. Thank you for sharing that. A lot of fun to wrap up the hour with some of the isms talk as she still, as she said, amused by Southern isms. And even for, I think I'm a pretty Southern fella. A lot of us, I'll speak for the rest of you, I think a lot of Southerners don't put R's in words like wash. Thank you for letting me take a little time to wash that out and 
let you know what's going on in the South. That wraps up Hour 1. Stay tuned. Hour 2 of the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent is ahead. We'll get the hour going with headlines from across the Southeast. We'll give you the latest on Tropical Depression Fred. That's ahead. Stay tuned. we got to go to the bathroom here and wash our hands. Hour two of the Y'all Show, where we discuss everything going on in the 16 southern states. We have found ourselves smack dab in the middle of this Thursday edition. Hello, I'm General John Rawl, CSA, certified Southern American, and wonderful to have you back in for another hour. If you've got something to say, we want to hear you. 803-816-1170. That is the way to text us, whatever's on your Dixie mind. Would love to let you let uh, your voice be heard. And our phone line is open. We want to hear you. So do it. I dare you. 803 816 Coming up in the second hour of today's Y'all Show, we've got a continuation of our news headlines, the latest with Tropical Depression Fred. Also, a, a, a report comes out from the U.S. Census Bureau the white population of this country falls to its smallest share of total population on record. I'm going to tell you about that. What's happening to all the white folks? I don't know. They're not either filling out their form or they're declining in population. Hmm, what's up with them white folks? I'll let you know here on y'all in this second hour. Plus, news out of Texas. As right now, they just had a conclusion of a 15-hour filibuster over the Republicans' voting bill right there in Austin. I'll let you know about that. Plus, a weird story coming out of Tarpon Springs, Florida. They have denied their city officials a headstone for a World War II veteran. How could that be? I'll let you know. All that ahead, plus a bunch of family dollar employees quit. The United States Senate has now recognized this month, August, as National Catfish Month. Woo! Let's go celebrate. That plus Dunkin' Donuts and their pumpkin menu. It's coming back later this month. I'll have all the juicy stuff as we go through today's headlines. Plus, entertainment news coming this hour on the Y'all Show. I will let you know about Jennifer Hudson playing Aretha Franklin in the new movie Respect. I don't know, is it Respect or is it R-E-S-P-E-C-T? Depends on how you want to pronounce it there. Also, Quentin Tarantino, the Knoxville native, is out talking about how he vowed once to never pay his mama anything. And according to Tarantino, he's stuck with that directive, if you will. I'll let you know. We got news out of Nashville. Toby Keith and Alabama are going to join up and headline an event called the Country Kickoff, the Labor Day weekend. And I'll let you know about that. We'll play a little country music courtesy of Mr. Oklahoma City, Toby Keith. 
when we get to our country music news later this hour. Plus, Dolly Parton is getting ready to release her first novel, and she's going to have an album to go along with the debut novel. She is so talented. Hmm. Also, who's talented? Carly Pierce. Did you realize before she got to be a country music star of her own, the Kentucky native used to clean houses? She worked for a cleaning service of Airbnbs. I need to dial her up now. I've got a messy place. Maybe I wonder if Carly Pierce has got a little extra time. She she probably doesn't need the money. Maybe she misses cleaning up dirty kitchens and bathrooms and more. Carly, we're proud of you. What a great career she's got. You know, she was just officially inducted into the Grand Ole Opry earlier in August. I'll let you know about her, plus Miranda Lambert and Tim McGraw news before we get out of here the second hour. That's all ahead. And before the hour is completely in the books, Melissa Rhodes is going to be back here to give us a Southern business report as part of our coverage of all things Southern. All that right here on Y'all. Don't forget, our website is y'all.com. It is the South's official homepage, Y-A-L-L.com. Please go there. Like it. We've got great stuff. Got more stuff coming. It's absolutely free. And don't forget, on Facebook, you can find y'all.com on Facebook. Please join the club. It's free there, too. And, therefore, you'll be caught up on all the southern goings-on. And you will also know when we have an a new episode of the y'all show because this show in addition to being posted at y'all.com we're available in podcast form you can find us each and every day as we do three hours of conversation about the south we're available on spotify just go on and search for y'all show we're on the iheart radio app we're on TuneIn, apple podcast stitcher and as mentioned you can find the y'all show at y'all.com. Starting this hour off with a look at headlines and Tropical Depression Fred. It has lowered in intensity over the last couple of hours. Now, this storm formed south of Puerto Rico on Tuesday evening, and it's working its way, spinning its way northwest in the Caribbean toward Florida. The state of Florida is preparing for the impact of Tropical Depression Fred, And it is expected to start affecting parts of the Sunshine State on Friday. Most of the forecast models I've seen have it coming in Saturday morning on the mainland, if you will, of the the peninsula, the lower peninsula of Florida, mostly around Fort Myers on the coastal Gulf Coast side. As this storm looks like it's going to have more of a coast of a Gulf Coast trajectory with its pattern but the division of emergency management in florida has been hosting calls with county emergency management officials in preparation of fred and it is expected to impact florida this weekend and they're letting people know in florida residents should turn on weather alerts and monitor local news outlets please do that still as a tropical depression this thing could build back up and be a tropical storm and or maybe even at worst a level one hurricane nothing to forget about and if you're making plans maybe you're trying to squeeze in one more trip to the beach and go to places like clearwater this weekend keep an eye on the tropics fred is churning 
Let's just hope it turns in a opposite direction of strength and weakens and weakens and ultimately fades away. That'd be good. Data is out from the U.S. Census Bureau, and they have just issued some info that says, in its most detailed portrait yet of how the country has changed over just the past decade, demographic data from the latest 2020 census. Did you fill your census thing out? Did you do what you were supposed to? I don't recall. Maybe I just happened to be away. In 2010, man, the census people were all over you. They would come knock on your door every couple of days wanting you to fill the form out. Maybe they got a commission for every time they got somebody to fill one out. 2020 was likely going to be the same way. I had friends who signed up to be census takers. They were going to get paid a pretty good amount of money to go knocking on people's doors and get their official census count. Because of coronavirus, I think that all kind of got totally messed up. So I don't know how valid the 2020 census really is. Really, somebody should. Maybe we need to do it here since we are journalists here on the All Show. Maybe we just need to say that whatever happened last year needs to be forgotten. Just throw away the results because I just based it on my own experience of living, being a person around in 2010. I remember that at my house I had people. Luckily, I was there when they came knocking. And so when they got me to fill it out they left me alone there but i actually at that time created a office in somebody's house and so i didn't live at that house it was essentially just being used temporarily as an office and i remember hearing multiple times the doorbell ring and it was the census people coming by to see who all lived there and since i didn't live there i kind of blew them off and didn't go answer the door because i didn't live there and i didn't want them putting me down as a resident there when they'd already got me living at a place that I lived, my actual residence. So knowing all that, I don't think the Census Bureau was all that uh, thorough in 2020. And there's a reason, again, with the pandemic going on. But the latest figures from this whatever effort they put together in 2020, the census figures that have just been released are showing numbers that will help determine control of the House in the 2022 elections because that's the purpose of the census is to determine how states apportion their their congressional seats. And it also helps how the federal government distributes $1.5 trillion in spending each year. So the figures that have come out continue to show migration to this part of the country with so many people moving here. But also it shows that while the white population of the country grew in coastal communities in the Carolinas and Virginia, it also, overall, it looks like it's decreasing. As the Census Bureau Director Ron Jarman said, the data we are releasing, they meet our high-quality data standards And the white population falls to its smallest share of total population. So let me try to dig up if I see it. There's a lot of data here, so forgive me for not having the exact number. But it looks like, again, with the large number of people crossing the border, legal and or illegal, 
that has affected the census count. But also, you've got to factor in when this census was taken, mostly in the spring of 2020, we've lost over 600,000 Americans due to COVID-19 since this census essentially was turned in. So it's a complete mess. I really think instead of passing trillion-dollar infrastructure deals, they ought to spend a couple of thousand dollars and redo this census. And I filled my form out. I have a right to be critical because I, I was a good American and did what I was supposed to do. But, yeah, again, this census data does show a diversifying white population shrinking results. And, okay, here is part of what I'm talking about. Okay, white people continue to be the most prevalent racial or ethnic group, but in California that's not the case, where Hispanics became the largest racial or ethnic group in California with this latest census. Hispanics growing to 39% of the population from 37, while the population of white people dropped from 40 to 37. Now, nationwide... The share of the non-Hispanic white population fell six percentage points between the 2010 and the 2020 census. In 2010, 63% of the country was white. And today, according to the census, it's right at 58%. That's a rather sizable difference of the non-Hispanic white population. I'm also trying to dig up, since here in the South, most Southerners are either white or black. That's the two largest, uh, although I should say maybe Hispanics represent maybe even more than blacks in some areas of the South. I doubt we have as many Asian Americans in the South compared to the West Coast states. I'm not seeing anything on the black population in this article I'm looking at, but the, the the push on this article is that the white population, by five percentage points, going down in this 2020 census. So are there going to be foundations created now, like a Save the White People type foundation, Some people going out trying to raise money? <laughs> Something to think about because we've been told over and over again that this country is diversifying and Whites won't be the majority population. Well, it's still more than 50% at this point, but in just a few years, nationwide, the white folks, you could be one. You're going to be the minority nationwide if the trend continues, and that's what this data coming up shows. All right, that's the story today from the Census Bureau A senator in the state capital of Texas has ended a 15-hour filibuster, and she had this filibuster because of the Republican-backed bill to change the election laws of the state of Texas. And Texas State Senator Carol Alvarado, she represents Houston. She was in front of the Texas Senate filibustering here this week. The Republicans in Texas are trying to tighten Texas's election laws. However, despite their efforts, 
Remember, the Democratic members of the House in the Texas legislature, they flew away. They've left the coop. And they can't have a quorum to advance this bill in the Texas House. And so Democrats are refusing to show up. And this has been going on for 32 days. And now in the Senate, Carol Alvarado is doing her part to create havoc. And she spoke for 15 hours, not quite the record Strom Thurmond had back in the civil rights era when he had a filibuster going on in Washington, D.C., which I think still remains the longest one in the country's history. But it's getting crazy in Texas. Remember, one of the reasons this is going on in the Lone Star State is Texas is a state that only gets together for state legislative purposes every other year. So they're trying to squeeze a lot in to the calendar. And right now that latest filibuster action was the big story out of the state capital of Austin here this week. Now to Tarpon Springs, Florida. The city has denied a headstone for a World War II veteran. And they are citing an old city rule as the reason why. Why would we deny such a thing for a great hero, a member of the greatest generation? William Bridges was the deceased World War II veteran, and Margie Bridges wanted to honor her deceased father with a headstone that had his World War II service on it. And again, the city of Tarpon Springs is denying this. Tarpon Springs, Florida requires the owner of a gravesite to give permission for the headstone. And since Mr. Bridges did not have a will, there is no executor of the estate to make that decision. Bridges, the daughter, said she has consulted with lawyers and going through probate could cost her thousands of dollars just in order to be able to buy the $1,200 headstone. She said this is a slap in the face and that her father didn't know this when he bought his burial plot years ago. And, again, she said he enlisted at age 17. He fought on the beaches of Normandy. And on the day he died, according to his daughter, he had shrapnel in his chest. And she just wants him to have a marker for him, a legitimate World War II marker, which I've had markers placed for some of my ancestors. They were actually Confederate veterans of the Civil War, and I filed the paperwork and had United States government-paid headstones placed at no cost to me on their graves. It is a right of every veteran to have a headstone on their grave, even if they fought 150 years ago and even fought for the Confederacy. And it's a beautiful marker I've got on two of my great-great-grandfather's graves. I'm very proud of what I did 20 years ago. And I see those things every time I'm back in the cemetery. But instead of 150 years ago, we're talking about 75 years ago, the greatest generation this man served, had shrapnel in his chest. We can't. Come on, Tarpon Springs. You need to make an exception here and let this woman. And she shouldn't have to pay for it. That's why I said I, I don't know why she couldn't get this thing gone. It goes through the VA, from what I remember, how you can get a headstone. And they're beautiful markers. In fact, you get – and another – did I do this one? I can't remember. 
I have another great uncle who got killed in World War II. He's got a World War II headstone on his grave, but his doesn't sit up off the ground. His is like placed on the ground. And I think you get your choice when you order one of these headstones of whether you want the kind that go up off the ground a couple of feet or is it more of the foot type markers. One of my and I'm very fortunate, like a lot of you probably, that I've never had to go off and fight in some war and risk my life. But if you are a person who you've gone to war or you've lost a family member in war, whether it was Vietnam or Afghanistan or Iraq or World War II even, I doubt we have any World War I veterans left. I know we don't. It's only fitting that these great heroes get a marker on their on their grave for eternity. And I do love our federal government-issued headstones. They're just very classy and a thing of beauty. And I hope Tarpon Springs ends up, come on there, do the right thing in the Sunshine State and help out this family. We've got more headlines that we'll be getting to as the Y'all Show continues on in hour number three. Right now, though, we'll take a break here on the show since we've been talking headstones I need to catch my breath. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we've got a quick look at entertainment news. I'm going to come back from the break with a little Jennifer Hudson singing Aretha Franklin. That ought to be quite a treat for you. And I'll tell you why we're doing that as part of our entertainment report for today. Plus, we've got country music news from Nashville headed your way this hour, too. Stay tuned. is not Aretha singing that. That is Jennifer Hudson. And she is starring in the new movie Respect. And what an honor it is for the Chicago native to play the role of this great Memphis native, Aretha Louise Franklin, who we lost back in 2018 at the age of 76. Welcome back. Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent is here. I am John Rawl, and we've got some entertainment news and notes that we'll be sharing with you for a few minutes. Yes, the finalist on American Idol from 2004, Jennifer Hudson, has segued from the stage of American Idol to the big screen. And she now is part of this biopic, Respect, and what a great job. She was actually handpicked by Aretha Franklin to portray Franklin prior to Franklin's 2018 death. Hudson, 
recently interviewed, said she long considered why the Queen of Soul wanted her in the role in that biopic. Jennifer Hudson telling CNN, This is beyond singing and acting. I think she saw something in me. I would not have been able to go as deep as I did to tell the story in an honest way without my own life experiences. So I think she saw that in me as well as everything else as far as being an actress and a singer. The movie Respect tells the story in the rise of Aretha Franklin from the girl singing in her daddy's church in Detroit to the megastar that would go on to become the first woman inducted into the Rock and, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And Jennifer Hudson, if you see the clips, she's got the look, she's got the sound. I know she's not Aretha, but there's some real similarity. She stars in this alongside Marlon Wayans as he plays Franklin's allegedly abusive husband, Ted White. Wayans and Hudson have some intense scenes that portray the couple's sometimes fraught marriage. And remember, Aretha, as part of the singing The Queen of Soul, went on from her original Memphis upbringing to Detroit, to Motown, and she went on to have such success on Atlantic Records with hit songs like I Never Loved a Man, The Way I Love You, Respect. That was a big, big song for her in 1967. Chain of Fools. Another one, the singer, songwriter, actress, civil rights activist, and even a record producer. She divorced Ted White, by the way, in 1969 and then married Glenn Terman in 1978. Aretha had four children in her life and got so many honors through the years from a National Medal of Arts medal to the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And we lost her, as I said, in... 2018 and you can check out this movie Respect which opens Friday in theaters across the country. That one might be worth seeing. I just went, I may have mentioned earlier in the week and saw my first movie in 17 months. I went and saw Stillwater with Matt Damon and it was set in modern times. It was not a bad movie. I even gave it a thumbs up to my mama when I told her she ought to go see it. She loves those shows that come on TV, your Dateline NBCs. And I told her this isn't quite like sitting back on a weeknight watching Dateline and falling asleep like she normally does. But this is kind of a crime-related modern-type movie that Matt Damon plays in. And I wouldn't give it the best movie I've ever seen rating, but it was better than I thought it would be. And... It's a good movie, and it's set in modern times, which not often do you see. A, I had a discussion about this, I think, with a coworker. So many movies now are anime movies. They're fantasy. They're cartoons. I want to see like a real movie, and guess what? Respect looks like a real movie. And if you haven't been to a theater in a couple years now, go get you a big old bucket of popcorn and a big old Coke. That'll set you back probably $50 right there. But it might just be worth the time to see Jennifer Hudson playing the role of Aretha Franklin in Respect, opening Friday. Speaking of movies, Knoxville native Quentin Tarantino vowed that, speaking of mama, he vowed that he was never going to give his mama money. 
And evidently, he stuck to that promise. And he's got a message now that he's telling parents. He did this during an appearance here recently on the podcast, The Moment. That's hosted by Billions co-creator Brian Koppelman. And his message is on this podcast, watch how you talk to your kids. That from Quentin Tarantino. As Tarantino said, his mother, Connie Zastapil, gave him a hard time about his aspiring career before he became famous. He said that his mama told him his little writing career, and he said, don't forget to insert the quote fingers, his little writing career was over. I go, okay, lady, when I become a successful writer, you will never see one penny from my success. There will be no house for you. There is no vacation for you. No Elvis Cadillac for mommy. You get nothing because you said that. Hmm. That's pretty harsh. But that's pretty harsh what his mama told him. you got to be inspiring to your kids. Tarantino says he has stuck with that other than kicking in some dough after she got into a jam with the IRS. He says... There are consequences for your words as you deal with your children. Um, okay. By the way, Tarantino, along with his wife, senior Daniela Pick, have a son, young son named Leo. Leo, hopefully your daddy is going to inspire you and not criticize you one day. And here at the Y'all Show, we're all about creativity. We're all about inspiration. So we tell you to all of our listeners, whether you're little kids or grown kids, that we're supporting you no matter what your dream is. Because here in the South, that's one thing we got. We got a lot of creative minds. And we've had a lot of tough times in the South throughout our history. And it takes creativity and aspiration to get to where we want to be and a young kid like Quentin Tarantino once, his mama and those not-so-nice words back to her little son inspired him to say, well, I'll show you. And guess what, Quentin? You did. And to his credit, this guy does movies unlike anybody else out there. And and I just... I. I, I like I like Quentin Tarantino's work. Good job. I even like him as an actor. Have y'all seen him portraying himself or p- portraying a character normally in his work? It, it's it's pretty good. It is really good. All right. Lastly, here in our entertainment report this hour, before we move over to Nashville, we've got according to some of the streaming services, what's hot in the month of August? Not just the temperature, but what is streaming. What are people watching? Paris Hilton. Did you realize she's got a cooking show? It is Cooking with Paris, and it's on Netflix. That is something people are watching. People are also watching on Disney Plus, What If? As it flips the script on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You want to check that out. There's also, on HBO Max, Obama in Pursuit of a More Perfect Union. Just what you need, more Obama stuff. And it's right there at HBO Max. Another thing people are watching on Netflix right now, The Kissing Booth 3. That's available for you. 
You also have on Hulu, Every Breath You Take is something people are watching. How about Val Kilmer? Did y'all see or keep up with what's going on with him, the veteran actor? I think he was in Top Gun was one of his roles. And Val Kilmer has a documentary on Amazon Prime called Val. He was also in Tombstone and Batman Forever. Pretty neat stuff to see. Hey, all you country music people, on IMDb TV, Amazon Prime Video produces this. Luke Bryan, My Dirt Road Diary. I might have to go back down to southwest Georgia and double-check, make sure Luke Bryan grew up on a dirt road. I went through his little so-called hometown a couple of years ago, and it had the big sign, hometown. Luke Bryan, this was a couple of miles away from Albany. I didn't see too many dirt roads. Luke, Luke I'm going to have to double-check you on that one. And lastly, on what's streaming, what's big on the streaming side here in the month of August, Short Circuit Season 2. That is on Disney+. Plus little animated film for the kids and more. That ought to be really good fun for you if you want to check that out on your streaming services. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. We're going to take you from the streaming world to the country music world. After the break, Toby Keith and Alabama are teaming up on Labor Day weekend. I'll tell you where and how you might go see them. Plus, Dolly Parton in the news. She's got a novel that's going to be out in 2022. Also, Carly Pierce News. I know you want to hear about that. All that is right around the corner on Talk with a Southern Accent. And Toby Keith wrote that one right there. That was a big hit. Top five for Toby Keith back in 1998. A little dream walking. Hello, I'm John Rawl. We're taking you to Music City, U.S. of A. for this segment. It's all things country music here on the Y'all Show. And speaking of TK, Toby and the group Alabama are going to headline the country kickoff to Labor Day weekend. They'll also be joined by Michael Ray and others. 
the company behind the drive-in and outdoor showings of broadcast concert events at movie theaters throughout the last year or so are going to have these guys come off to the country kickoff to Labor Day weekend. And that is happening at outdoor movie theaters across North America. Okay, so this is not something you can go and see in person. You're going to be paying $56 a car to go see Toby in Alabama on a big screen somewhere. Also, Florida Georgia Line, Garth Brooks, Kane Brown, Blake Shelton are all part of this country kickoff to Labor Day weekend. Got to give them some credit for being creative in how they're going to do this. Now, the Toby and Alabama performance were specially filmed for this one-night-only event in Nashville and in Fort Payne, where Alabama's based in northeast Alabama. In a joint statement regarding the event, Randy Owen and Teddy Gentry of Alabama said, Over the years, we performed in every type of venue and recorded our music across every type of format. And this night is really shaping up to be one of the coolest we've been a part of to reach fans in big cities and small towns all across the country with the same show is going to make for not only an awesome concert experience, but a heck of an outdoor tailgate party too. Again, this is called Country Kickoff to Labor Day Weekend. And Alabama, Toby Keith, Kane Brown, Blake Shelton, and a whole bunch of Garth Brooks are going to be part of this. Tickets go on sale this Friday, August 13th. And a ticket is $56 per car. So you can load up all your cousins and family members into one car and only pay $56. There's a website, EncoreNights.com, to go find out where you can view this thing. Again, it's being played on big screens and drive-ins all over the country. One night only, 300-plus venues across America, Canada, and, and Ireland, too. We don't want to leave out our Irish country music fans. And you got this big-time event taking place i'm actually interested in it 50 what if your area doesn't have a drive-in theater is it available to go into a traditional movie theater and see this i would think so and can you pack in everybody into one seat is that how they're going to charge you just go to the website encorenights.com to learn more about this event taking place thursday september 2nd and tickets go on sale Friday, starting at 12 noon Eastern, 11 Central. So I guess they're looking to sell a bunch of bunch of tickets. Okay, let me. They they do have a map that shows where you can see this across the country. Let me see how easy this is to understand. I don't want to know about Des Moines, Iowa. I, I zoomed in a little too much here. Let's take you to. Hmm. We'll go to North Carolina. According to this map, there's only one, two, three, four, about five places in North Carolina you can see this thing. What about in Music City? I don't see a single venue listed on this map in Nashville. You can go to, where is that? Hmm, Lewisburg, Marshall County, Tennessee. At the Highway 50 drive-in in Lewisburg, Tennessee, you can check this out. 
heading into Labor Day weekend. There's also a theater near Tullahoma in the Memphis area. The Summer Drive-In on Summer, Summer is it Summer Avenue in Memphis? They have a drive-in theater, and they're going to be participating. I'm not seeing anything in the entire state of Alabama except for near Dothan. There's the VIP Starlight Drive-In in Newton, Alabama. So really not that many places. I guess they are trying they're trying to do this in the the old school drive-in theaters. In South Carolina and Greenwood, the 25 drive-in auto theater is going to be participating. In Arkansas, how about the venue in the north central portion of the state in Mountain View, the Stone Drive-in Theater? How about Toby Keith's native area of Oklahoma? I don't see anything in OKC where he's from. In Tulsa, at the Admiral Twin Drive-In, they're participating in this. They even have a venue in Chickasaw Nation, Blake Shelton's home area. Nightfall Drive-In Theater in Springer, Oklahoma, is participating. In Texas, south of Dallas, go there for this big event at the Galaxy Drive-In Theater in Ennis, Texas. Again, the website, EncoreKnights.com. I could sit here and play around with this more if you'd like me to. But just trust me. I bet it's it's probably going to be worth it. I mean, how much is a concert ticket these days for a really, really good act? And nosebleed seats. I bet you one nosebleed seat for any major act is at least $75. And I know this isn't quite the real thing, but I have not in my life seen Alabama in concert. And I'd like to see Randy and Teddy and Jeff. I'd love to see them one day with Mark, the old drummer that they've kind of divorced from. More country music news to tell you about. Dolly Parton is releasing her first novel and a companion album. That's coming in early 2022. The country music queen has teamed up with author James Patterson to publish a novel that they co-wrote and they just announced that on Wednesday. The novel is called Run, Rose, Run. It's about a young woman who moves to Nashville to pursue her dreams as a musician. That sounds kind of familiar, Dolly, doesn't it? Run, Rose, Run. And I do believe I told you all this on our tour across the South and its SEC schools in particular when I was mentioning on the Wednesday show about great Vanderbilt alumni, James Patterson is a Vanderbilt University alumni. Got his master's degree in English from Vanderbilt right there in Nashville. So maybe James Patterson lives in Nashville today. I'm I'm not really sure where the best-selling writer calls home. He ought to call home. That's a good place to live. I think he primarily lives in Palm Beach, Florida, and I can't blame him there but come on jimmy you need to get your place in nashville and especially if you're gonna be working with dolly parton on a book that sounds pretty cool there's also going to be an accompanying album that goes along with the release of the novel run rose run coming in 2022 from dolly parton and james patterson carly pierce once worked at dollywood in east tennessee there is dolly's theme park and Did you realize the country music starlet from Kentucky, Carly Pierce, also once worked cleaning Airbnbs? She told CMT's Cody Allen that she had to make ends meet. 
She said she had to pay her rent. I had to get my food for my cat. And she says she cleaned houses, Airbnb houses. And she did it. So that is pretty good that she did that for several years, according to what she told Cody Allen of CMT. Carly was just inducted as a member to the Grand Ole Opry. And we are thrilled with the way her career appears to be on an upward trajectory, Carly Pierce. A story about Miranda Lambert is in the news. Lambert believes that she has, quote, so much to learn about the LGBTQ community. She's now talking about her brother. She has a gay brother, and he is married. And she's out talking about how she grew up in a very conservative Lindale, Texas town. And now she's having her brother and his husband appear in her video. It's a video for her latest song, Tequila Does. It's a special version of that, I think. And she says that having both of them in this music video, her brother and his husband, made her, quote, really proud and humble. And she got interviewed recently by GLAD, which is, I think, a publication by Gay Rights Movement. It might be a magazine, I think. And she grew up, again, in Texas with her brother. And they weren't necessarily, like most of the South, most of the country, overly welcoming to the gay community at that time. And Miranda Lambert now opening up about that. She says, I know I'm uneducated, but I am full of love. That's what she said in this glad interview. Tim McGraw, he's got a new release from his 2020 album, Here on Earth. 7,500 OBO is the latest song from Tim McGraw. And on this new song, he sings, Got an 06 stick shift, dark blue F-150 in good condition. Got 119,000 miles, only five on the new transmission. It took somebody a long time to write this one. In fact, it was written by Matt McGinn, Jennifer Schott, and Nathan Spicer. And I was being facetious on all that. (laughs) And this song, with a rather creative name, with that title, 7,500 OBO, that would mean, or best offer. And if you've ever been a person who's bought or sold something, maybe like a used car, you can relate to maybe what this song's all about. Check it out if you get a chance to hear Timmy McGraw out of Start, Louisiana, and his newest song out on country radio. The Y'all Show wraps up this hour after the break. Stay tuned. Melissa Rhodes has an update on Southern business that's on talk with a southern accent and that's up after the break southern accent here's the business south update from y'all.com i'm melissa rhodes In the agriculture world, a brand new Louisiana law, Act 359, is aimed at strengthening dealers' positions when it comes to incentive bonuses and coerced stocking of parts and equipment for farmers. On the record, host Kim Schmidt reports. The first part is by coercing dealers to accept delivery of equipment, parts, or accessories which the dealer has not ordered voluntarily, or to seek payment for any such equipment, parts, or accessories. The second is imposing the burden of proof regarding an incentive agreement on the dealer. 
meaning that when dealers object to their manufacturer's market statistics, the manufacturer must provide the name of the entity that purchased the contested equipment upon which the amount of the incentive payment or penalty is based. The third way manufacturers can violate this act is by penalizing an equipment sale if the first substantial use of that equipment is outside the dealer's area of responsibility for ag equipment sales. Business news, headlines, and more at y'all.com. Did y'all get all that down? I think I did. I'm a good farm boy. I'll pay attention. Y'all talk with a Southern accent wraps up its second hour right there with Melissa's business report. We've got one last hour here on this Thursday y'all show. Stick through the break. We've got a quick look at some sports news of the day, plus more on the traditions and famous alumni of the Maryland Terrapins. We've got more headlines to get to you, as well as a look at some of the great festivals taking place this weekend across the southern states. We are y'all. Talk with a southern accent. Hang on. We are some podcast-making people here at the Y'all Show, and let me take this moment to tell you where you can listen to this show whenever you have the opportunity. If you aren't able to sit down for three hours right on your radio station each day and listen to it, we are also available in podcast form, and we're available at Spotify. Just go on there and search for Y'all Show. We're available also on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, Apple Podcast, and Stitcher. You can also find this show about Dixie available at y'all.com, Y-A-L-L.com. And I want to tell you, we've got a number to call. I have had people who have listened to the show time and time again who've told me, hey, you know, I would, I'd let you know what's going on, but you don't take calls. Well, actually, I do. I take text and calls. And the way to do that is just pick up the phone and call 803 803- 816-1170. That's how you can get in touch with us here on the program that's all about the South. And you can do that whether you're listening to us on one of our incredibly awesome radio stations or if you're listening to us on that podcast option. It doesn't matter. No matter what time of day it is, you can just text us or call us at that number and we'll be happy to share what's going on in the South with you. With whatever you've got to pass along, we'll We'll do that here. We're kind of like a, an ambassador for you across the southeast here on the show All About the South. I am John Rawl. Thank you for being with us. We start off this hour with some sports headlines, including some news out of the Florida Gator football program that we'll get to. Also this hour, we'll go to College Park, Maryland. The Maryland Terrapins are today's stop on our 44-city tour across the southeast. We'll tell you more about the University of Maryland, how it got started, its size, and more. Of course, right there on the outskirts of our nation's capital is College Park, Maryland. We'll also let you know about some of the famous alumni of Maryland and the traditions from Testudo, the turtle, to so much more that you'll find there when you go to a ball game of the Big Ten's Maryland Terrapins. Today's stop on our tour across the South. We've got another M school in line for our Friday show. It is the University of Mississippi, a.k.a. the Mississippi Land Sharks. And we're going to be sharking it up at Vault Hemingway Stadium on our Friday y'all show. So make sure you learn all about the history of what was Ole Miss. And now it's just Mississippi, in my opinion. 
and we'll let you know about the Sharks and what's going on. Lane Kiffin's program, we'll let you hear from the coach, maybe tell you more about Matt Corral, the heralded first-team all-SEC quarterback the red and blue have coming back here this year. All that is on Friday. Today, it's about not the red and blue of Mississippi. It's about the red and the black and the yellow and the crazy patterns of the Maryland Terrapins. (laughs) Fear the turtle is our theme today on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Before we get out of here today, we'll take a look one more time at some of the headlines of the region. Plus, we'll share with you some of the festivals that are in place this weekend. Just a couple of more weeks before Labor Day, and there are still communities across the Southland trying to squeeze in that good community-based festival, and we'll let you know where those are. We got one community this weekend celebrating its 200th birthday. I think they call that a bicentennial. And we'll tell you where that is and how you can partake of the fun. All that right here on this, the show about the Southeast. Now to the sports headlines as we wrap up the Shaw Show in our third hour. And Dan Mullen with an update from his program. Cornerback Jaden Hill has torn his ACL, the projected starting cornerback for Dan Mullen's program, is going to miss the entire season after he tore the ACL in his left knee. Mullen calls this a massive disappointment. Jaden Hill, a junior from Huntsville, Alabama, started five games in 2020 and had been slotted to play opposite Kair Elam. And Elam tied for the SEC lead with 13 pass defenses in 2020. Now, Dan Mullen's program left to find a replacement for Jaden Hill a week into training camp. As Mullen said, just kind of a shame that stuff happens out there on the field. A very, very unfortunate story from the Florida Gators football team. Mullen will now turn to a number of unproven candidates to fill the suddenly vacant spot within his football program. One could be Jadarius Perkins. He is a Missouri Tiger transfer into the Gators. Also, redshirt freshman Avery Helm and Ethan Pouncey will be in the mix along with some brand-new Gators who are showing up on campus as freshmen. Four-star recruit Jason Marshall from Miami. And another transfer into the Gator program, Elijah Blades. He was once a Texas A&M Aggie and now might be competing for this cornerback spot on the Gator football program. Mullen went on to say there will be a bunch of guys competing. He says that they're still in training camp. There's going to be a lot of opportunities for guys coming in. There's going to be some for the young guys that might get a little more opportunity than they were expecting at this point. Florida Gator football, again, update from camp. Cornerback Jaden Hill with a torn ACL, and he will not be available for the orange and blue in 2021. And looking at the Florida Gators' early portion of the season, in case you're looking to show up and see the Gators in the swamp or go down on a road game in the SEC, their opener is against the Owls of Florida Atlantic on September 4th. And then they get into some SEC play early on into the season. After the Owls, they've got South Florida on the road at Tampa. Then, what a big game that's going to be on September 18th. The Crimson Tide make their first visit to Ben Hill Griffin Stadium in more than a decade. 
and that'll be a CBS game of the week. I think that is the CBS opener for the year in their final season of covering SEC's game of the week, or if not final next to last year, CBS has the contract. Gators and Tide on the 18th of September. And again, the Gators are going to have to find a solution to their vacancy now on the cornerback position after Hill is out for the year with a torn ACL. The news not so grim, about an hour northeast of the Florida Gators practice field, the Jacksonville Jaguars of the NFL are currently underway with their fall camp. And Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew are still battling to be the Jaguars' starting quarterback. That's not my words. That's what we're getting out of Urban Meyer, coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, as he isn't publicly ready to commit to Lawrence as his starting quarterback. Paid a lot of money for this guy to come in from Clemson in his debut rookie year. But the new coach in his debut rookie year as an NFL coach, Urban Meyer, Still, uh, is he a player? Is that what he's doing? And I'm not talking about like a football player. I'm talking about a romantic. Is he trying to play off of Minshew and Lawrence and find the best-looking one? Is that what Urban Meyer, you old sly fox, you? Is that what he's doing in Jacksonville? As, remember, the Georgia native Trevor Lawrence, this year's number one pick out of Clemson. And then you got Minshew, who played collegiately at Washington State. I think he also played for the Northwest Community College Rangers in Senatobia, Mississippi, before going out west. And then the Mississippi native, a part of the Jaguars roster for a couple of years now. When asked whether there's an open competition between Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew, the open competition to take the first snap against the Texans on that opener on September 12th, the answer from Urban Meyer was yes. Not a heck yes, but just a, just a yes. And then that came moments after Meyer said that he and his staff are going to determine Thursday, tonight, which of the two players would start in Saturday's preseason opener at home against the Cleveland Browns. So, again, I think Urban Meyer's a little bit of a player, don't y'all think? Trying to maybe get the best out of his program. Maybe he likes the attention, and he hasn't given the keys completely over to the rookie, Lawrence, in this case. I still think Gardner Minshew's a pretty good quarterback. Maybe Minshew's problem was the system in place in Jacksonville prior to Urban Meyer coming. Maybe you've got a chance, if you're a Jags fan, to see both of these guys get plenty of action in the new football season when it begins for Jacksonville September 12th against talk about a quarterback competition who the heck's going to be behind center for the ja- for the Texans on that one Deshaun Watson another Clemson quarterback of yesteryear doesn't appear to be given the keys to that franchise anymore on the quarterback position another story out of the NFL the Detroit Lions have waived Quentin Dunbar, the former Florida Gator. Two Gators in the news here in our sports headlines today as Quentin Dunbar waved from the Detroit Lions. And that's happening just before the preseason opener the Lions are having against the Buffalo Bills. Quentin Dunbar missed a significant portion of training camp due to personal reasons after agreeing to a one-year deal with the Lions during the offseason. He had a 
very tough 2020 season in Seattle. Had a lot of injuries. He only played in six games in the 2020 season. This cornerback suffered a knee injury that required season-ending surgery with the Seahawks. Lions coach Dan Campbell in his first year in Motown addressing the situation with Campbell said the team has now decided to go in a different direction. It helps when the guy isn't even part of camp for a while as it looks like he wasn't a part of. Maybe he's still having a lot of knee issues. Coming out of high school, Quentin Dunbar was a four-star recruit, and he decided to attend UF over offers from UCF, FIU, Michigan, Tennessee, Arkansas, and others. He actually played for Coach Urban Meyer and for Will Muschamp during his tenure in the Swamp 2010 to 2014. He was a wide receiver for over five seasons for the Florida Gators and ultimately in the NFL switched over and was coming out of UF, an undrafted free agent, and ended up playing for the Washington Redskins for several years in the cornerback position before going to Seattle last year and then in the offseason coming to the Detroit Lions. But, again, he looks like he's out of Detroit may end up being added to another team based on needs of fellow NFL teams currently in training camp. A story today breaking from Major League Baseball as Texas native Chris Davis, at 35 years old, has announced he is retiring from MLB. He's been with the Baltimore Orioles about a decade, and his decision to announce his retirement ends a career in which he was one of baseball's biggest home run hitters. He's had lots of problems with injuries. He has missed the entire season this year after he got hurt in the preseason spring training opener back in February the Orioles had, and he ended up having to go to surgery in May to repair the labrum in his left hip. Davis, in a statement that was released by the team today, said, After an extended time dealing with my injury and recent hip surgery, I informed the Baltimore Orioles about my decision to retire effective today. I want to thank the Orioles partnership group led by the Angelos family, the Orioles organization, my teammates and coaches. Thank you all. He didn't say thank y'all. He should have. Thank you all for the many memories that I will cherish forever. Now, next year was going to be the last year of Chris Davis's seven-year one hundred and sixty-one million dollar contract. That's a few dollars right there. Davis led MLB with fifty-three home runs back in twenty thirteen, and he also had forty-seven home runs in twenty fifteen. He finishes his MLB career with a total of two hundred and ninety-five dingers in his thirteen seasons playing with both the Baltimore Orioles and the Texas Rangers. Again, the news today. Orioles slugger Chris Davis retiring from Major League Baseball. We wish him well and probably will end end up back somewhere in Texas as he's a Longview native. Y'all talk with a southern accent. We'll take a break. Come right back. 
We will take you to College Park, Maryland. Today, it's all about the Maryland Terps. The Terps, today's stop on our tour across the South, getting you ready for the start of college football. We'll discuss the university, some of the traditions that you'll find when you go to a Terrapins game. That's all right ahead on Y'all. The Y'all Show is on the road and stopping by 44 of the South's great college football towns as we get y'all ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Tailgates, traditions, fight songs. Can you feel the excitement? Here's Y'all Show host John Rawl to fire y'all up with today's great Southern College Football Showcase. And you know what? I think I do feel that excitement. I do feel the excitement because we're just about a month away from the start of college football season 2021. We're a month away from the Maryland Terrapins and West Virginia. That's the opening game for the Terps, and today it's all about Maryland football. We're back on Y'all Talk with a Southern accent. We're on this little journey across the Southeast, stopping by 44 of the South's great college football programs. And we're making our only stop today in the Big Ten. Maryland divorced the Atlantic Coast Conference a couple of years ago, and they find themselves in the Big Ten. And we're going to talk about Maryland football here. We've already, in hour number one today, given you the scoop on Maryland's 2021 schedule. We will walk through some information on the university itself, how it got started, where it's located, all that kind of fun stuff for you here on today's Y'all Show. We also will tell you about some of the famous alumni of Maryland and traditions that you'll find at the University of Maryland. A little housekeeping. I get so excited when I'm here talking to all y'all that I failed in hour number one to play Maryland's now third-year coach as Mike Loxley is the man coaching Maryland. I got into his dismal record, but I didn't actually let you hear his optimism for the year 2021. So before we get into telling you about the University of Maryland, before we get into telling you about some of the famous alumni, let's hear from Coach Loxley of the Maryland Terrapins football team as his team is in camp right now getting ready for that West Virginia game on Labor Day weekend. We've had an exciting summer here uh, with our team. A lot of moving parts started June 1, you know, with recruiting opening up uh, to moving into Jones Hill House, uh, with our players returning uh, to move into Jones Hill House, our summer workouts. Uh, all those things really took place uh, during the month of June, and, and I can tell you a lot of people played a major role in helping us navigate a really busy summer. But through it all, the thing that really shined through for me was the fact that seeing our players and how they've continued to build the culture that we've talked about, it's going to take for us to have the type of program we want to have. But also, obviously, during COVID, there was a lot of isolation involved. 
uh, with being a being in a pandemic, they're really excited to be back together and start building the brotherhood that's necessary. Um, and I saw it all summer long with our players. Um, as I mentioned at Big Ten Media Day, our program's ready to take the next step. Uh, everybody always says, well, what's the goal? Well, the goal for us is to take the next step, and that begins and ends with playing and having the type of discipline while still establishing the types of habits that will create the behaviors we need to, to win and win big here. Um, I said it before, there's not any excuses for us this year. Uh, you know, COVID is what it is. We'll continue to follow the protocols that state, local, and campus officials ask us to follow as we navigate it. But as far as the football piece and the discipline piece and developing our program, you know, it's time for the excuses to end, and, and we're not going to allow our players, anybody that's part of our football family, to make any excuse. I mean, we talk a lot about potential around here. I've had the luxury of being here for, I think this is my 14th season, uh, and, and you always hear the potential word. Uh, I've been here when we won three straight years of 10 or more wins and won the ACC championship back in those days. I've also been here for some of the lane years. So the potential word for me is something that we're, we're over uh, as a program and, and looking forward to really going out and establishing ourselves as a program that has the ability to do great things. That the words of Maryland Terrapin head football coach Mike Loxley, as we mentioned in hour number one, as a head coach, boy, he's got a, a lot of work to do. As in the three years now he's been at Maryland, that he's got on his record, his resume, he was one in five as an interim coach back in 2015, then hired in 2019 to come back to Maryland as the head coach. Three and nine in 2019. In 2020, he was two and three. You heard him mention he's had so many years on the College Park campus as a Maryland Terrapins coach. He started way back in 1997 as a running backs coach and then spent many years under Coach Freegen as a coach there at College Park all the way up to 2002. Came back 2012 to 2015, then ends up being that interim coach when a regime change happened. He went to Alabama, was the offensive coordinator for Nick Saban in 2018, and Loxley went back to Maryland where he played in that state collegiately for Towson State. He was a Tiger defensive back, but now coaching the flagship university of Maryland and the Terps with his control. You heard him, the potential. Looking at somewhat of the draft people, the, the people who do the prognostication of the win totals and more, Maryland, according to one betting website, if you will, is projected to win six games this year. Well, that would be quite a nice plus if Coach Loxley could get this program to six wins in a bowl game. But not looking all that bright for Maryland football. But what is bright about the University of Maryland is what all is going on there in College Park today. Again, we're talking about the Terrapins on our journey across college football's landscape, getting you ready for the start of the 2021 season. Did you realize... The University of Maryland actually began in 1856 as Maryland Agricultural College. And it was called that all the way up till 1916 when it became Maryland State College, ultimately changed to the University of Maryland College Park, the main campus that you'll find just outside of Washington, D.C. I've actually done some history, and unless my notes are completely out of whack, the University of Maryland, although what a lot of Southerners here 
if you're in the deep south of the south, would say, well, that's a Yankee school. Well, that's not a southern school. Well, Maryland, if you know anything about the history of that state, does have more southern than northern. And to help explain that, the University of Maryland, its campus in College Park, actually was built on a plantation. It's an old plantation they got converted into a a college. The Riversdale Mansion was the estate that the Maryland government took over and created this school. During the Civil War, Confederate soldiers under General Bradley Tyler Johnson moved past the college in July of 1864 as part of Jubal Early's raid on Washington, D.C. So Maryland was more Confederate than Northern back in the Civil War time. Lots of conflict throughout Maryland before, during, and after the Civil War, frankly. I believe it was a Marylander named John Wilkes Booth that shot Abraham Lincoln. I think he was from Maryland. I think if it wasn't there, he was from Virginia. Close enough for comfort, huh? Maryland today, under the direction of President Darrell Pines, has an enrollment of 41,000. They've got 31,000 undergraduates and another 10,000 postgraduate students on the College Park campus. Just miles away from the nation's capital is the University of Maryland. It's part of the University System of Maryland, and it is considered a flagship land-grant research institution, which means, again, it goes back to the moral land-grant founding of so many colleges across the country, including some of our agricultural schools, Mississippi State, NC State, Auburn, Clemson, more. And the University of Maryland, very well respected. It's a member of the Association of American Universities and now today competes in the Big Ten Conference, leaving the ACC back 10 years ago to join the Big Ten As we talk about the Terrapins, let's talk about the famous alumni. Society19.com has ranked the University of Maryland's most famous alumni. And we'll get you going here with the top ten from Society19.com. How about David Simon? He's an author, writer, producer, and his miniseries on HBO Got him a spot on something called the MacArthur Fellows. And, again, a big force in entertainment, David Simon. Another Maryland alum is someone you might remember from E! News, Juliana Rancic. Remember she married Bill? And you might remember her when she's hosted big things on TV like the Golden Globes. Juliana Ransom, a Maryland alumnae. Guy that was a great football player back in the 80s. I think Bobby Ross was his coach there for the Terrapins. Boomer Esiason, the longtime NFL quarterback, primarily for the Cincinnati Bengals, who's gone on to work on Monday Night Football, inside the NFL, and more. Love his work. He's also, like me, 
a radio talk show host and more podcast guy, Boomer Esiason, Maryland alum. Diane Weist, she's an actress who's acted along Johnny Depp and Winona Ryder, a veteran actress. She's won more than one Academy Award for her roles as a supporting actress, maybe why you don't know the name Diane Weist or Weist as much as some of those other characters. Another famous graduate of the University of Maryland, Michael D. Griffin, a physicist and aerospace engineer. He served as the administrator of NASA for four years. Michael D. Griffin. Also, Connie Chung. How about Connie? She is a Maryland alumnus. If you want to go into journalism, Connie Chung, who I think was the first female nightly news host. I think I'm right on that. Connie Chung, who worked, of course, at ABC, CNN, MSNBC, NBC. She's worked for all of them. Connie Chung, the wife of what, Morley Safer? No, uh, Morley Povich. Morris, Morley Safer. Forgive me. My apologies. Another famous University of Maryland alumnus is Sergi Brin. Sergi Brin is probably the most successful computer scientist out there. All of you might know who he is. He, Sergi Brin, one of the co-founders of Google and president of Alphabet Inc. Is Sergi Brin, Maryland alumnus. A guy that's certainly in the open with his Marylandness, his terpness. Kevin Plank, the founder and CEO of Under Armour. He played football barely for Maryland. And Maryland became, I think, the first major school to wear Under Armour. And remember, in the early years of Under Armour, he used the Terps in his marketing nationwide. Everybody wanted to be like the Maryland Terrapins 20 years ago. And no matter where you see Maryland stuff today, you'll see that Under Armour logo. It's the official apparel of the Terps. And Kevin Plank, who grew up right there outside of College Park, is a proud Maryland alumnus. How about Larry David? The Curb Your Enthusiasm and Seinfeld fella. Larry David. One of the most successful alumni to go to the University of Maryland is a Maryland alumnus. And I'm going to tell you who's number one on this Society19.com breakdown of Maryland's famous alumni. He's number one. I'm not going to fight it. But who I did not mention in the top 10, at least, of this website of Maryland alumnus fame. It's a guy that ought to be right there along the top because this guy is all about the Terrapins. And he talks about them. He features them just about every night that he's on ESPN. How about Scott Van Pelt, the Brooksville, Maryland native? He went to Maryland and graduated in 1988 with a degree in radio, television, and film, and was also a member of Pi Kappa Alpha fraternity. Pike. He's a Pike. (laughs) The Mr. Ball guy with the glasses, Scott Van Pelt, the 55-year-old sportscaster from ESPN. Brooksville, by the way, where his hometown is, is a community located in Montgomery County, Maryland. And that is right next door to Washington, D.C. 
Scott Van Pelt loves his Terps, but he's not in the top ten according to Society19.com of the most famous University of Maryland alumnus group. The number one alum of Maryland is a guy born and maybe raised or at least was part of his childhood living in the Mississippi Delta town of Leland, Mississippi. Somehow this guy escaped the Mississippi Delta and the cotton fields there to go to Maryland to college. Jim Henson, the man behind the Muppets, is a Maryland Terrapin. How about that? Did you realize that? And then so many of the great athletes that have come out of Maryland and more. Here on the Y'all Show, we're happy to tell you about all the Maryland greats. Now, if you're able to go to College Park for a game, we have some of the great traditions of Maryland football, Maryland game day. At a football game there, you will find the flag unfurling. That's a big part of game day. Two giant pieces of the Maryland state flag are unfurled from the top of two student sections while a video plays 2001 A Space Odyssey. That looks pretty neat there. Also, the we played it earlier, the football victory song in alma mater, Great Traditions. You have something called Maryland Madness that was created with Lefty Drizel, the old basketball coach, Chuck Drizel's daddy. Lefty Drizel, Lefty Dr- not for that. Lefty Drizel was the coach of the Maryland Terrapins basketball team from 1969 to 1986, and he is credited with coining the term Midnight Madness back in 1971. That's evolved to Maryland Madness, and Kentucky has their own big deal when basketball season starts. Another great tradition at Maryland from more of a basketball, from a basketball to football standpoint, you've got Terp Alley. About two hours before every kickoff there on the College Park campus, fans join Testadu, the mascot, the Terrapin mascot, the Spirit Squad, and the mighty sound of Maryland as the Maryland Terrapins football team walks through Terp Alley on its way to Maryland Stadium. A lot of teams across college football have similar things, but how about that tradition? of going out and welcoming in Terrapin game day at Maryland Stadium with that great little thing they do on a Maryland Stadium tradition. And that is a quick look at some of the fun, the excitement that people like Scott Van Pelt get pretty fired up about and why they are certainly happy to tell everybody they're a turtle and they're fast-talking turtles, those Maryland Terrapin fans, even though Usually turtles are not so fast, but we wish Maryland the best in 2021. The football team begins its regular season at home with a game at Capital One Field at Maryland Stadium against the West Virginia Mountaineers. That game is a mid-afternoon game on September the 4th. And then their Big Ten play begins against the Illinois Illini in a game on the road on September the 17th. Again, the Terps today's featured school on our journey across the southeast. On the Friday show, we'll take you to Oxford. It's all about the University of Mississippi land sharks. Stay tuned for more on Lane Kiffin's ball club coming up on the Friday Y'all Show. Up next on the Y'all Show, we're going to scoot over and tell you about some of the headlines here. 
before we get out of here. Also, before the hour's up, I look at some of the great festivals taking place across the South. Stay tuned to y'all. You get one shot, one chance to save a life when someone has overdosed on opioids. Do you have what it takes? The Jackson-Madison Prevention Coalition does. The coalition wants to give them naloxone to you for free. No questions asked. This program has saved thousands of lives statewide and is available in our community. Call 731-694-0741 for more information. That's 731-694-0741. This project is funded by a grant from the Tennessee Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services. Congratulations, you sold your house. Now it's time to move. Leave the heavy lifting to us. A Affordable Moving and Storage. We specialize in local and long distance moving. A Affordable Moving and Storage comes complete with packing services, any size move, big or small. A Affordable Moving and Storage. For free estimates, call 731-664-5777. Call 731-664-5777. A Affordable Moving and Storage. 664-5777. A Affordable Moving and Storage. Trusted mover since 1996. Hi, this is Tammy Reed with Hickman Realty. If you've been thinking about selling your home, now is the time. It's a seller's market, and we have buyers waiting for homes. You need to use a realtor. With the market changing every day, you may be underselling your home. Don't trust your largest investment to just any realtor. You need to put it in the hands of the most experienced number one sales team in West Tennessee. Call me today for a free no-obligation market analysis on your home. You may be surprised what your home will bring. Call Tammy Reed, Hickman Realty, 616-6000-664-1006. This is WTJS, Alamo, Jackson, News Talk, West Tennessee. Eight zero three eight one six eleven seventy. That is how you can get in touch with y'all. Welcome back. Some news headlines here before we get out of here on this Thursday edition of the show that covers everything Southern. Remember Tropical Depression now, Fred churning in the Caribbean. We'll keep you posted before we get out of here on our Friday show of the latest on that developing story. Also. Coronavirus cases really spiking up across the southeast. Mississippi right now has its all-time high number of hospitalizations from COVID-19. That the news out of the Magnolia State today. A story now about Family Dollar. Are y'all a Family Dollar customer? I like my Family Dollars. I like the very affordable candy they have in there when I stop by my local Family Dollars of the world. But a story out of the South or out of a nationwide family dollar location, employees walking off the job following staffing shortages and allegations of unfair working hours and conditions. And kind of like Martin Luther left the note on the door back in the, I guess, 1500s. Let's see, the 500th anniversary of his posting the note on the door in Wittenberg, Germany, was about three years ago. Let me pull out my calculator again. I'm not very good at this stuff. 2021 minus 500 in the 1500s. Okay. 
So similar to what Martin Luther did back in the early 1500s, here in the 2000s, in this case the 2021 year is what we're in, similar to good old Martin Luther. A note was put on the door of this family dollar where the employees wrote, We all quit. Sorry for the inconvenience. Well, that's one way to make the customers of that store pretty upset. Because, again, just like you, I love my family dollar. I like my Dollar Generals. I like my Dollar Trees, too. That's just part of the fun of living in the South is all of our dollar stores. And family dollar there in this portion of the country shutting down because their employees putting this note up on the door quitting. One employee said, I had no more stress wondering if I was going to be the only one working that day. I felt horrible at the same time. I had a lot of regular customers that I enjoyed talking to every day, but I just couldn't do it anymore. Remember, we've got so many people who have chosen the route of getting government benefits over the last year and not working. And there are people and times where you need help. I get it. I have had to do it myself, but it was a Band-Aid. And when you have the opportunity to actually work and work like you're supposed to and get decent money, you, you need to do that. That's what, that's what it's all for. And these workers at this family dollar, I'm sure, have worked their tuchuses off over the last year. And they got tired of probably former co-workers of theirs living the high life and not working. There's been plenty of people who claim they make more money not working than they were working. Now, most of our southern states are trying to cut off those checks. Most have already been cut off. But I feel all of the businesses out there that are under the gun and having employees not show up are overworking employees. I was at a Dollar General the other day. My mother told me, oh, it's closed. They changed their hours. They're shutting out at like 4 o'clock now. Actually, I went in there and they said, no, nah, we're back to a regular schedule. But nothing surprises me. They, they probably, they're all hurting. And it's partly in, due, in part because of the labor shortages of the country that are going on. But, yes, that the news. Hey, speaking of the world of government and politics and more, this is big news coming out of Washington, D.C. You probably have been so caught up with the infrastructure package, the trillion-dollar-plus infrastructure package this week coming from Washington, D.C. The United States Senate, this is groundbreaking news today. The Senate has passed a resolution that has designated August of this year, August, what we're in right now, August 2021, it has now been designated National Catfish Month. Senator Roger Wicker. Hey, Roger Wicker has actually done something from Mississippi. He put out a statement saying catfish is a source of pride for Mississippi and a big part of our state's economy. Farm-raised catfish is wholesome, delicious, and already accounts for more than 50% of the United States' aquaculture industry. Designating the month of August as National Catfish Month, recognizes the impact of catfish producers and helps to share this pride with the rest of the nation. And Wicker's fellow Mississippi Senator, Cindy Hyphen-Smith, echoing 
how important the catfish industry is to Mississippi. And I know there's other states that also have these professional catfish growing state uh, areas. States like Alabama, Texas, Arkansas, Georgia, North Carolina are big. They, well, I won't say as big as the Mississippi Delta, but they have their own areas of growing catfish. And they also recognize this as National Catfish Month. So congratulations to everybody. We can now celebrate not Black History Month or Gay Pride Month or whatever else months we have designated each year. We can now set aside August for a celebration of catfish. And I know one little 11-year-old fellow that I'm pretty close to is ready to celebrate because he loves him some good old catfish. And if it's good catfish, I mean, just the other day, me and this little boy, we drove two hours to go to a good catfish restaurant. Now, that was two hours going and coming back. And I ate more than he did. And it was good catfish. They're not a paying sponsor, so I can't plug them here on the Y'all Show. But, yeah, if you're an authentic Southerner, you'll probably go out of your way for good catfish. Now, you might be a Southerner, you might be a Yankee, but you're probably going to go out of your way later this month for this. Dunkin' Donuts has just announced, coming back on the menu later in August, the Dunkin' Pumpkin Menu with items like pumpkin munchkins, the pumpkin donut and pumpkin muffin, all being added on the fall lineup, and that will arrive at Dunkin' Donut Restaurants by next Wednesday, August 18th. Dunkin' Donuts also announcing it's bringing back the pumpkin-flavored coffees, and we'll have some new drinks on their menu, like pumpkin cream cold brew and pumpkin spice signature latte. So all you pumpkin heads out there and all you Dunkin lovers, to their credit, they know how to do pumpkins and they know how to do the fall. Dunkin Donuts, again, just in a couple of days, launching their new fall menu with more pumpkin fun coming your way. From catfish to pumpkins, we got you covered right here on Talk with a Southern Accent. We have one little segment coming up. It's after the break. We'll tell you about some great festivals taking place across the southeast here this weekend. We will have that right after this as the Y'all Show Thursday edition continues. segment of this Thursday Y'all Show with John Rawl. This is the program all about the South. This is Y'all, and let me tell you some good places to travel to if you don't have your weekend planned out. We'll start off in Coleman, Alabama this weekend. It's Rock the South 2021. In fact, Donald Trump, I think that's the Coleman event he's going to be participating in. It's really more of a music event north of Birmingham. That is going on this weekend if you want to make your plans to 
head to that portion of the heart of Dixie. In the state of Arkansas this weekend, you have coming up on Saturday, the 2021 Bentonville Whiskey Festival. Oh, that sounds fine. Also in Arkansas, coming up this weekend in Eureka Springs, it's the Eureka Springs Bluegrass Festival taking place here this mid-August weekend. In Florida this weekend, it is the Jack Day Festival that is taking place in Citrus Springs, Florida. In the state of Georgia, an event if you're looking for somewhere to go in the Peach State. How about in Decatur, the Decatur Barbecue Blues and Bluegrass Festival. That's going on this weekend. In the Pelican State of Louisiana this weekend. Head to Hammond right there on the North Shore. Strawberry Country. Hammond this weekend, it's the Country and Rock Music Festival. Also in Lafayette this weekend, it's the Magnolia Shed Festival. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. That's going on here. We've just been this on this y'all show telling you a whole lot about Maryland Terrapin football. Coming up this weekend in Maryland, it's in Pasadena, Maryland. At Kurtz's Beach Limited, it's Made in Maryland Festival. That's going on in that state this weekend. In the Magnolia State here this weekend, you have in Bahalia Outlaw Summerfest. Bahalia is in Marshall County, about 30 minutes southeast of Memphis, Tennessee. Go there and check that out. Also, in Jackson, Mississippi, in the Bellhaven neighborhood this weekend, you got Bright Lights Bellhaven Nights. That's going on this weekend. In North Carolina on this mid-August weekend, planning your fun out if you'd like to head over to North Carolina or head up or head down. It's the Fair Bluff Watermelon Festival in Fair Bluff, North Carolina. Also, it's the 35th annual Carolina Beach Music Festival in Carolina Beach near Wilmington. That's taking place here this weekend. In the Palmetto State of South Carolina, you have this weekend Greenville Fun Fest taking place where the Greenville Drive, that's the minor league team there in the upstate of South Carolina at Floor Field, Greenville Fun Fest taking place this weekend. Also in Somerville near Charleston, it's Food Trucks at the Farm, and it's at Fox Ridge Farm this weekend. In the state of Tennessee this weekend, if you want to make your way to the Volunteer State, I know of at least two really cool things going on. One of which, how about Leanne Morgan? That lady is so funny. She is performing as part of Bijou Theater in Knoxville, and that is taking place this weekend. Check that out at Bijou Theater. Also in Jackson, Tennessee this weekend, it's the Bicentennial Celebration. And they've got all kinds of events planned at the Farmer's Market in Jackson. And you can go to a website that's got it all broken down if you would like. The Jackson-Madison County Bicentennial link is Jackson-Madison 200. And right around the Farmer's Market on Saturday afternoon, they've got all kinds of events as they celebrate 200 years of history, culture, and music in Madison County, specifically Jackson, which was set up by the Tennessee legislature November 7, 1821, when James Madison was the president. And here this weekend, the bicentennial celebration kicks off in West Tennessee's capital city, if you will, Jackson. And the website again, Jackson Madison 200, if you want to learn more about what's going on in Jackson, Tennessee this weekend. 
the one that Johnny Cash sings about in that song with June Carter Cash. Okay, I know Jackson, Mississippi. You also want to claim that as well. Coming up in Texas this weekend, if you want to travel down to the Lone Star State for some of the fun, you have River Rodeo taking place in New Bronzeville this weekend. And in the Woodlands, Brad Paisley making a stop in the Woodlands for a concert this weekend. And also don't forget in Forestburg, you got the 41st Watermelon Festival taking place in that portion of the Lone Star State. And then wrapping up in the south as we take a tour about what's going on across the southeast, getting you ready for the weekend. Want to let you know in Virginia this weekend, if you want to make your make your way to the old Dominion State, check out a great festival taking place in Dyeswell, Virginia, after hours concerts at Meadow Event Park. All that taking place here this weekend. Well, that's a full lineup. That ought to get you through no matter what part of the south you're listening to us from. We've just given you some good pointers. And go to all your respective areas and check out what is available from a tourism standpoint, from a standpoint of where you can go and enjoy the final days of August and the last hoorah of summer 2021. John Rawl, thanking you once again for being part of the Y'all Show. Y'all.com is our website. Don't forget all of our great podcast options. We'll be right back here to close out the week on the Friday show. Until that time, have a great rest of y'all's day.